It's Milwaukee's Tailgate, the Midweek Mini Pod, Episode 6. I'm JP Breen, flying solo as always. Last week, we were lucky enough to be joined by uh, Jeffrey Paternostro of Baseball Prospectus to preview the draft. And then Ryan and I recap the draft on our Minor League Extra podcast, which actually just came out uh, on Tuesday of this week for our Patreon subscribers. Lately, though, been thinking a lot about uh, previous drafts, who the Brewers have taken, how they did, or how they're still doing. And today, I wanted to look back at the Brewers draft uh, 10 years ago. I wanted to look back at the 2009 draft that was supposed to be a time to restock the farm system with talent. And instead, it brought right-hander Eric Arnett that everybody has been very uh, critical of. And Eric Arnett has become kind of a buzzword for people, especially on Brewers Twitter, but people who have followed the draft quite for quite a long time to kind of denigrate the idea of taking uh, college pitchers. So I wanted to look back at the draft uh, from 10 years ago in 2009. Before we get to that, though, remember that you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We do want listener questions, as always, and I do want suggestions for the mini pods here. So you can follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com. You can also follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter. You'll find all of that info in the Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And if you'd like to support the podcast, if you'd like to get the draft recap for the Minor League Extra podcast that Ryan and I just did this week, you will uh, find that at patreon.com slash Tailgate. If you do support the podcast, our M&B and Ball and Glove patrons receive the monthly Minor League uh, Extra podcast, which I had just plugged a couple of times thus far. Milwaukee's Tailgate is also sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. They're English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for their great beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. But make sure that you're stopping down to the uh, Carbon 4 Tap Room at Kinsman Boulevard in Madison because they've got Idiot Farm and America AF on tap. Be sure to tell them that Milwaukee's Tailgate sent you as well. Make sure that you are putting on Twitter, take a selfie, take a picture of the beer, Make sure that you tag Carbon 4 in it. Let them know that we sent you. As friends of the podcast, you can still get 20% off merch in the Carbon 4 web store with the promo code MKETailgate. And as always, check out Carbon4.com for more information. Carbon 4, beer brilliance. For this episode, we're going to look back at the 2009 draft class for the Milwaukee Brewers. And in many ways, uh, the the 2009 draft encapsulated many of, of fans' frustrations with the Brewers' drafts in the late aughts, the early, you know, 20-teens or whatever the heck we're calling those. And the 2009 draft should have, it, uh, to be honest, it should have netted the, the crew an absolute haul atop the draft. They had two first-round picks, or they had a, a first-round pick. They had two supplemental round picks, and they also had two second-round picks. So overall, they had five picks in the top 74. Five picks, top 74. Zero big leaguers out of those picks. So the Brewers first took Eric Garnett, a big-bodied right-hander out of uh, Indiana University. It was actually considered a pretty solid pick at the time. Uh, Baseball America had him as a kind of a surefire late first-rounder, which is precisely where the Brewers grabbed him at number 26. He had a mid-90s fastball. He was kind of late in the year. That year was sitting kind of 92-94 with the fastball. He had a solid slider. He had a good body. Uh, projected to be a work a workhorse in the rotation, and now you know I do think that we all realize that the Brewers took a dude with 
tons of miles on his arm, uh, had questionable mechanics, didn't really have a changeup, and it never really worked for Arnett. In his in his first uh, full professional season, he had a combined a combined six seven nine ERA between rookie ball and A ball. Right, so if you went up and, and saw him in Appleton with the T Rats, you didn't necessarily see a first rounder who looked like a first rounder, and he certainly wasn't having success like a first rounder. And he wasn't striking guys out. He struggled with his command and never really got better. And didn't really get better for the Brewers draft after that either. The Brewers grabbed Kentrell Davis out of the University of Tennessee, and they grabbed Kyle Heckathorn, who was a right hander out of Kennesaw State in the supplemental round. And they were both frankly inconsistent college uh, collegiate performers and they had limited profiles Uh, davis had a massive strikeout problem at tennessee he didn't have the prototypical power profile for a a corner outfielder he did have some speed uh his swing got a little bit long and heckathorn was kind of seen as a likely reliever who didn't dominate in the weak athletic sun conference and he didn't perform well in the cape cod summer league either looking back it's it's frankly kind of hard to figure out what the brewers were really thinking and even if we were all really hoping for the best of the time, and I know that Ryan and I back in 2009, when we did talk about these sorts of things, we really were hoping for the best. And we did see, you know, kind of the and I, I would say that even though we did see kind of the positives and we wanted to see the positives in guys like Davis and Hackathorn, I do think for myself, the way that I think about scouting, the way that I think about evaluating players has changed a ton. And it's something that we now recognize as a, as a flawed process in 2009. I even wonder if guys like Arnett and Heckathorn would even be candidates to go in the top 50 picks in, in today's game, right? In, the, in, in today's draft, would they even go in the top 75 picks? In the second round, they grabbed uh, Max Walla, who was an outfielder out of New Mexico, and they grabbed Cameron, Cameron Garfield, who was a, uh, a catcher out of California, and they were a pair of high-variance prep bats. Uh, Wallace supposedly flashed absolutely massive power in a private workout with the Brewers, but Baseball America wrote prior to the draft that he was probably a fifth-round pick. It shows that the Brewers really stuck out their neck, to be frank, in the in the draft in the second. It showed that they really valued that private workout and the fact that he did really perform well with wood bats in the workout as well. It didn't really work. He never made it out of A-ball. He never hit double-digit homers, which was supposed to be his calling card, his power. And he even tried to transition to the mound before retiring as a professional. Now, Garfield was, to be fair, a little bit more interesting. Uh, he supposedly had a crazy fast bat and was a high upside catcher. And and he did show it at times. He did hit two, 298 uh, with a 385 on base percentage and a 524 slugging percentage with 11 homers and A ball as a 21-year-old. After that, though, he he's basically stagnated at Brevard County, which is high A at the time. Spent three years there before going to independent ball. He got another shot with the Rockies. I believe it was in 2015, but that didn't really work out either. He went to independent ball one more time before retiring from baseball. I think the most interesting thing about the 2009 draft class, though, was that it actually wasn't a bad draft for the Brewers, despite all of that. Now, I do think that one could argue and could persuasively argue that it should have been better they sh- because you know they did make an absolute mess of the, of the top five picks. But they actually grabbed some quality big leaguers in that draft. Consider this. So the Brewers drafted Hiram Burgos in the sixth round. They gave him a $15,000 signing bonus, and he did appear with the big league squad in 2013. Injuries stopped him from really kind of building on that great performance, but he was a guy that 
wasn't really, you know, he was seen as a guy that was going to save him quite a bit of money, but he was somebody that had a lot of success with the Brewers organization. He got up to the big leagues before suffering an injury. And he actually was a guy that they brought to AAA to, you know, after that point, they really valued him because they liked the way that he mentored young pitchers. But here in Burgos wasn't even the, you know, even though he was a guy who made the the big leagues from the sixth round, he wasn't even kind of the guy that everybody even remembers from that draft anyway. The Brewers grabbed Chris Davis in the seventh round on a Cal State Fullerton. He's been a quality big leaguer for years at this point. Everybody knows that. He hit 40 homers, I believe, four years in a row at this point with Oakland. The Brewers got Scooter, Kinnett, uh, Scooter Jeanette in the 16th round. They were able to get him to sign for 260000 despite people figuring that he was kind of a third to a fifth round talent. And he was supposed to be going to Florida State University. It was the Brewers kind of were were aware of the fact that he didn't really want to go to college. And I do think that some people were like, oh, he was kind of a first rounder that slipped down and the Brewers actually gave them just an absolute ton of money to get him away from Florida State. And that wasn't the case. It gave him $260,000. Give him $260,000 to the, the guy they drafted uh, the round prior as well, who was left-hander Del Howell out of Alabama, who was also seen as a guy that was kind of a high upside guy down, down in the 15th round. But Scooter Jeanette was a guy who, if everything kind of worked right at Florida State, he could potentially be a first rounder down, down the road. But they didn't need to pay him all that much. And obviously, he's been a very good big league player, too. Now, you know, took a step forward with with Cincinnati. And how about Mike Mike Fires? 20, 22nd round pick for the draft uh, for the Brewers. 22nd round, uh, 22nd round draft, draft pick. He found some success with the Brewers. We know that. And he's thrown no hitters. He's still plying his trade out in Oakland. It's been a brilliant story as a professional. 22nd round pick. And even uh, Caleb Thielbar, who I think a lot of people don't even really I think remember the fact that he was drafted by the Brewers and developed by the Brewers 18th round pick and he made the big leagues as a reliever for the Minnesota Twins he tossed uh, 98.2 innings over three seasons with the Twins posted a career 274 ERA not bad as an 18th rounder even if the Brewers did actually release him as a minor league free agent at one point lefty relievers always kind of crazy so it was a really weird draft for the Brewers. They completely botched the the job at the top of the draft. I don't think anybody's trying to hide that. It seemed reasonable enough at the time, and I think it fit with what the Brewers were doing as an organization. They were scouting individual tools more than anything, and you could see that with guys like David, uh, with with Davis and Heckethorn. They had pretty obvious limitations, but both had one really loud tool that you could dream on. You know, with Davis, it was the power. With Heckathorn, it was the fastball, right? It was the fact that they were able to really run it up there. The Brewers also desperately wanted to draft and develop big-bodied pitchers who could handle the rigors of a big league season. I think everybody in 2009 was really hoping that the Brewers could finally develop some internal pitching. That was after uh, the CC Sabathia trade when everybody was like, we've got so many good hitters. Could the Brewers finally actually just develop somebody internally to be able to bring up? And Arnett was supposed to be that guy. He was six foot five, two hundred fifty-five pound, or two hundred twenty-five pound. Sorry, two hundred twenty-five pound workhorse who could maintain uh, a mid-nineties fastball into the mid middle innings. And you know, now we do know much more about the dangers of college pitchers like Arnett. 
and and the kind of dangers that they bring to the draft. We know about innings concerns. We know about the concerns about switching to an every fifth day schedule as a starter and what that can do to a guy. We know the concerns about a lack of pure plus stuff and the fact that he actually didn't, he wasn't really a, a strikeout guy. 100, 108 strikeouts in, in 106 innings the year that they went to get him. And he was supposed to be a safe workhorse, right? He was supposed to be a guy that could just come in and just soak innings up. And in 2009, that was actually something that was very valued. And he ended up being one of the biggest risks in the draft, quite frankly. And I think the Arnett pick is one of the reasons why a lot of people rolled their eyes at Ethan Small and when the Brewers drafted him in the 2019 draft. The Brewers notoriously went away from drafting college pitching, uh, preferring bats and leaving the college pitching for the middle rounds, and something that has been pretty successful for the organization over the five, past five, six years, I would argue. But I also do think it's important to recognize that Small isn't the same kind of pitcher as Arnett. He's also not a guy who's had the same kind of workload. He does have Tommy John surgery in the past, and that's worth noting. And the Brewers are also working with a lot more data working with a much more sophisticated analytical model than the Brewers were in 2009. And that doesn't, of course, mean that Ethan Small is going to work out. I don't think that he's the safest pick taken in the first round of the MLB draft. I'm not even 100% sure that he's the safest collegiate pitcher taken in the first round, which is something I've seen thrown, thrown around quite a bit. He does have a lot going for him, though. And big league organizations are now working with much better information. Their eyes are fully wide open when it comes to collegiate pitching. If Small is able to maintain his command of the strike zone, maintain kind of the gains he's made with secondary pitches, and regain some of the pre-Tommy John velocity when he was supposedly up to 97 miles an hour, or at least touched it, I don't think he was setting up there, he's an interesting mid-rotation starter. If not, the Brewers kind of hope his pitchability allows him to be a back-end guy and allowed him to kind of save them some money in their slot bonus that they could then allocate later. But looking back at the 2009 draft, it's interesting to me because it shows how far the Brewers and frankly all the teams around baseball, how far they've come in terms of the how they approach the draft and how they approach scouting more generally. The 2009 draft was simultaneously brutal and and highly highly successful for the Brewers depending on kind of your metrics metrics for success. If it's about grabbing big leaguers, they did a hell of a job if it's about hitting on the five picks that they had high in the draft when the best talent should have been available they failed i think the downsides of kind of the failures and what they were able to do in the first couple of rounds kind of is highlighted by the fact that the the 2009 draft was actually quite good in the supplemental round and into the second round because you had guys you know the, the brewers were able to take uh eric arnett at 26 but then going beyond that you know, guys like James Paxton went down at 37. You had guys like, right, like you had you had Kentrell Davis then go at 39. Tyler Skaggs went right after, and he actually signed for less money than Kentrell Davis. Chris Owings went at 41, signed for less money than Kentrell Davis. Garrett Richards went at 42, signed for a better part of, you know, uh, what, $350,000 less than what Kentrell Davis signed for. Brad Boxberger, even if you didn't really like him as a pitcher, he's still been a good uh, a good reliever over a long period of time. He also signed for quite a bit less than Kentrell Davis. And that's just that's even before you get to Kyle Heckathorn at 47. 
And when you go down to the second round, it's it, it is one of those things that makes you think a lot more about what they were able what they could have gotten. You, you have Michael Gibbons, who went 54 to to Baltimore and, and he was actually taken as a as a shortstop at the time. But he's obviously turned out to be quite good. Billy Hamilton went 57th overall to to Cincinnati. You had Nolan Arenado go uh, go 59th. And he only signed for just a little bit over six hundred thousand, which is way less than what other guys were going for. What Davis and Hackathorn and, and different guys like that were going on. Jason Kipnis went sixty third overall, right? Like, and this isn't to, I think, go down. You know, Stephen Matz went seventy second overall, right before the Brewers were going with Walla and Cameron. And this isn't to go in and just kind of like say what the Brewers could have done. Right, they could have gotten DJ LeMahieu down at seventy nine. Could have got Patrick Patrick Corbin at eighty. Could have gotten Kyle Seager at eighty two. Right, like you can go down the line and just see all of these things. But what it does show you is the fact that what the Brewers were doing and like what they could have gotten in those first five rounds was actually much much more than what they actually got out of it. And so even if you do look at what they were able to get down later later in the draft, I do think there is some room to say things could have been much better. And I don't think it's fair to say that absolutely everybody should hit all over the place, right? I'm not saying that they should have like dropped $2 million on Will Myers like the, the Royals did at 91. But I do think it's fair to say there were a lot of, there were a, a pretty obvious mistakes being made in 2009, right? Obvious mistakes based on what we know in 2019, based on what we know about how to scout pitchers, based on what we know about the information on how you should be allocating your money in the draft. And this was prior to the rigid uh, kind of like signing bonus pools that we have now. But the Brewers had a lot of opportunity to take really good talent in the first in the first five picks that they had in that draft. And it is pretty remarkable to think about, and I know that a bunch of teams are going to be doing that if they look back at the 2009 draft, but it is pretty incredible to think about what the Brewers could have done if they actually could have you know, hit on one of those first five picks and then still maintained all of the success that they had later. And I prefer to think of the glass half full rather than the glass half empty. I prefer to think of guys like Mike Fire, Scooter Jeanette, Caleb Thielbar, and for those who still remember Eric Arnett and kind of cringe every time a collegiate pitcher is taken because of Arnett, I hope this gives you at least some solace. I hope it allows you to look at the 2019 draft with some some optimism rather than some regret. So that's going to do us do it for this week here. You can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash tailgate, Our patrons at the MMB and Ball and Glove levels receive the monthly Minor League Extra podcast, which just came out this week and gives you a lot more information on the 2019 draft, Ethan Small and a bunch of other guys as well. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at tailgate. You can submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page at Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, wherever you get your podcasts. You can leave reviews and help people find the podcast for people who want to listen to more stuff about the Milwaukee Brewers. So thank you for listening, and I'll be back on Monday with the fellas.